Okay, good morning. It is good to be with you. I just want to take a moment, for those of you Christian, for those of you not Christian, you're wondering why Ruth was singing the same words again and again so aggressively. Let me just say that she was not just singing a song. She was prophesying over people. Uh, she was not just singing to me saying, keep preaching, I like your preaching. She was preaching, she was singing to me, keep preaching, God's on it. And she was singing the lines, you will never fail, you, you will not fail, you will not fail. She kept singing that again and again. The Spirit of God came upon her, and she was singing to some people right here, right now, who are thinking that they're failures. It's awesome when you have a worship band that is anointed by God. So can we give them a hand, because they are so cool. <clears throat> but uh, today, I am doing part two of Neighbor, uh, Neighbor is a Verb, which is setting us up. So part one and two was clearly defining the gospel. That's what I was told to do, clearly define the gospel. And, uh, and then part next four weeks, three, four, five, six, is all about what God has done inside of you and how that gets out to your neighbor. So that's where we're going. But today, did you notice, well, actually yesterday, did you notice that summer was here? I have egg on my hand. That is bad. Pos Tim's mask. No, I'm joking. Uh, uh, did anyone notice summer? Summer arrived this weekend. It was wonderful. My pool was green. Have you got something for me? Because this is getting worse and worse. Always go to a mom. They have wet wipes. Um, my pool was green. It, uh, it, was, it was basically exploding, almost like the sea with E. coli. Oh, sorry. Anyway, that's what my wife does to me. Every now and again, she just tricks me. She gives me a poo nappy. just puts it in my hand. Like, who does that? Anyway, I, uh, <laughs> it, has been a, uh, it is a beautiful change of season we're going into. But uh, let, me, let me get back into the message that I'm supposed to preach. Did any of you watch that baptism and feel your heart leap for the joy of salvation? So, so if you're not a Christian, um, for those of us who've given our lives to Jesus, there is... There is a moment where you don't just think that this might be true. There's a moment where you know in your, in your inner being, you know that Jesus is God and he has died for your sin. And when that moment happens, generally the floodgates of emotion flood through, your spirit jumps inside of you. There's something powerful that happens when you believe the good news about Jesus Christ, believe the gospel. Today, as I, as I define it, I, I want to start off by telling you how good it is. And then I'm going to answer some of the questions that thinking non-Christians and Christians ask the whole time. If it's so good, why? You know that question? Having a conversation? If, if the, the message you believe is so true, why? Why all the problems in the world? Why this happened? Why? So I'm going to get into that. So we're going to go happy, sad, happy. So that's, that's the goal of today. But I want you to think about this beautiful message that God came as a man to bring salvation to a world through Jesus Christ, that he achieved something that you could never achieve so that you could be set free and live in a way you could never live. So that, that those who are downcast, downtrodden, rejected, and successful 
could feel the love of God that transforms all things. The gospel, it is so beautiful. When you believe it, it literally, it gives goosebumps and it gives snot and trauma crying and it gives, it gives joy. I, I can still remember the moment it happened to me. It was just the delight of the good news. This gospel is so beautiful that it transforms people in every phase of life. So you've got to think about this. The gospel is for the rich. Because the gospel says to the rich, here's how you don't live caught up in the cares and worries of this world, and here's how your wealth actually finds purpose. And the gospel is for the poor. For the people who are downtrodden, they try to get up, they can't get up again and again. The gospel says, I will put a joy and a peace and a righteousness into your spirit so that you can be as happy in jail as the person, now I'm trying to find a place, and best not Durban, in the pools. It is, it is a message for victims of slavery and abuse. And, and the message is this, I will put my peace, righteousness, and joy inside of you, and I will lift you up, and I will carry you, and, and then I will return one day. You'll live in this for a little while, but I will be with you throughout it all, and I will carry you through it out, and there will be a day when I come back, and I bring justice to evil, and I punish that which is enslaving and oppressive and cruel and evil, and I will make it so that every tear you've ever cried makes sense and has worked out in my goodness in a way that you will look back and you will forget that it ever happened. The, the gospel, it's a message to successfuls and failures. It is a message to all colors, all genders, all races. It, it doesn't matter where you are. It saves and transforms your life, which is why Paul writes, this gospel that is going out over all the world bearing fruit is changing lives the way it changed your life the first day you heard and recognized the truth. It is beautiful. But last week, uh, Paul, Paul sh he was showing off. And... Uh, if you were here last week, uh, he, he did this thing with, tomato, with McDonald's tomato chips. Do any of you remember that? He did the thing with the sugar. You broke the sugar in half to show you how you're supposed to break sugar. And then he did the tomato thing where you opened the top. I'm just helping, helping you uh, with McDonald's. So instead of pouring your tomato sauce all over the chips, you, you put the, the chip into the tomato sauce. Anyway, he, d he did the thing with the can opener. He brought the wrong can. Um, and so I thought I would just help you with how to open a can. Um, because how many of you, when you open the can, you pull this thing right off? How many of you? It's, it's not because you're strong, it's because you're stupid, like me. But anyway, this is how you're supposed to open it. You're supposed to pop it, then you're supposed to turn it, then you're supposed to pull it. Ah, oh, you see how much church helps you every single day of your life. <laughs> how many of you? Use this for mints, men. How many of you just don't know what it's for? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Bones, for being honest. Uh, there we go. Um, I, I, I found out what this is for, so I didn't know either. Um, I, had, I suspected it was for something more than I was using it for, spanking my kids. And, no, no, I don't do that. It's illegal. 
Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is for this, but I don't know how I did it in the first service without breaking it, but I did. Oh, I broke it. It was a fail. This, it, it, it takes about eight hours to do, but oh. <laughs> when you break it, it's done. Anyway, please can I have another wet drive. <laughs> It is supposed to be to separate egg white from egg yolk. And uh, oh, there's so much egg on here. It's wonderful. Uh, okay, last one. This one actually will help you um, because I, I can't really fail at this. How many of you make pancakes for your kids? Just quick show of your hands. Make pancakes for yourself then. Just put up your hand. Okay. <laughs> you know the problem with making pancakes like this is you pour it out. First time, it's fine. You go second, third, and then you put this down, because now these are burning. And when you put this down, it generally goes into the stove. You notice that? Or you drip it into the stove, and then that burns, and then it's stuck there, and then you're wiping like this for us. Well, do you know what tomato sauce was actually made for? For this. You wash out the tomato sauce, watch how perfect they turn out. Oh, no. <laughs> Someone's tricking me today. Tim, it was you, hey. I will get you back. You see, this is the vibe. Anyway, I, I, I know I've helped you. The point is this. This is going somewhere. The point is this. Imagine we used the gospel the wrong way. Because we used so much else the wrong way. Imagine we used the gospel the wrong way. Let me, let me tell you about a place. There's egg. Oh, give me more. Can't sit on my chair. It's just egg everywhere. I feel like someone was pranking me today. You won, but I will get you back. Okay, let me take you to this is Rwanda. You can see Rwanda and Burundi. There were two major tribes there: the Hutu and the Tutsi. Now, in April, on April the seventh, nineteen ninety-four, the Hutus declared war on the Tutsi. It was a long time coming. They'd kind of hated each other for, for a few hundred years. And, uh, and what happened was the Hutu, which is a bigger community of people, attacked and started a genocide. Now, what you may not know is that Burundi and Uganda were arguably the most Christian nations on the planet. 90% of the entire population was Christian. And from the 7th of April, 1994, for the next 100 days, conservative estimates are around 800,000 people. High estimates around 1.1 million people were killed in a genocide. In arguably the most Christian nation in the world. What happened? I want to talk about when the gospel goes wrong. See, the truth about that area is that the way they became Christian was... Um, the Catholic Church started reaching people, and I'm not having a bash against the Catholic Church, but more than the Catholic Church, the way most people became Christian was ten crusades. Evangelists would come in, sometimes preaching to millions of people, and they were preaching a gospel that was true but incomplete. In fact, it's a gospel you would have heard off the stage. I would have preached it. It was a gospel that went like this, that didn't complete 
what Jesus would have said. And, and this is how the gospel would have been presented. It would have been said something like this. These, these would have been the key points. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. Secondly, sin separates you from God. In Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin or the consequence of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. Sin and God cannot coexist. Then it says only through Jesus Christ can you know and experience God's love and salvation. Now, often when you say this, people they go, well, what about the person who was born far, far away and could never have heard about Jesus? How is that fair? You ever hear that, that question ever asked? Because we think about this from earth looking up. But it's not Christians who say that the only way to heaven is through Jesus. It's Jesus who looks at earth looking down at an entire world of now Christians, but every religion, and goes, you oaks are all messed. So I am coming to bring salvation. And then he says, the only way to the Father is through me, the Son. And he doesn't say that once. He says it again and again and again. There is, there is you, you can say lots about Jesus, but what you cannot say is that he's tolerant. Because Jesus doesn't go, hey, try that. That'll work. Maybe that'll work. He goes, you want the Father? I'm the gate. You want the Father? I'm the one. Point three, only through Jesus Christ can you know experience God's love and salvation. And point number four, we must receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Romans 10, 17. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you will be saved. It's beautiful. This is all true. Wow, that true came out very high-pitched. This is true. 100% true. But it's incomplete. You see, what that sounds like is that if I speak some words and believe something, my ticket to heaven is sorted. But that's not what that's saying. So I'm going to tell you how Jesus put it across. Because Jesus didn't preach the gospel like this, so you need this as a basis, but you need to understand what Jesus says when he's preaching the gospel if you're going to understand what it is. And that was my mandate today. Define the gospel. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark 8. Now, the reason this is so, so, so important is because you could imagine some Hutu people Believing that four laws and going, my salvation is secure. These Tutsis are annoying, so I can get heaven and wipe them out. Okay? You can understand how that would happen. Now, here's the big idea. The gospel you live in, what you believe about God, will determine the gospel you live out. The gospel you live in, the belief structure you have will shape the behavior structure you live out. Gospel you live in will shape the gospel you live out, which is why you have to understand the gospel so clearly. 
So Mark 8, it, it begins like this. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and he says to them, who, who does everyone say that I am? And one guy do, says, some say Elijah. Another guy says, some say that you're a prophet. Some say John the Baptist raised from the dead. And Jesus then goes, but who do you say I am? So Peter goes, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus is thrilled. He says to him, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. There's this moment of, now you know, you've got it. God's set you free. Jesus doesn't go, no, no, I'm not the Messiah. Jesus goes, I'm God. If anyone ever tells you that Jesus never claimed he was God, almost every single page of the Gospels, just take out your Bible, even if you've never read it before. Just go, there, 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 everywhere. He says, I'm God. So he says, I'm God. And then it says, Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter, you've got to love Peter. Peter took him aside and began to reprimand God. It's just like, how's that going to go for you, Peter? So he reprimands God, and Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan. Jesus won, Peter zero. That's just what happened right there. Just went badly. And then he says, you are seeing things from a human point of view, not from God's. I want to just dive into that. See, a friend came to see me this week, and um, he's in business. His business isn't doing all that well. And uh, he said to me, he said, Ross, I have a non-Christian business partner whose businesses are flying, and this week, this business partner gave me the business we're partners in. And this was his reasoning. He said, everything I touch turns to gold. Everything you touch turns to dust. Therefore, I'd rather you have that and you keep your dust away from my gold. Now, this man came to me and he was broken. And the reason he was broken was because he was going, he's a faithful man, he was going, if God loves me and God has blessed me, then how come my witness to this man is that I'm a failure and he's blessed. And so I listened. And then I said, my buddy, if the fruit of God's work in your life is blessing on the outside and not the kingdom on the inside, you are in a lot of trouble. If you measure God's love for you, God's work, by the blessing that's on the outside, the blessing you've received, instead of the righteousness, joy, and peace that he's put on the inside, you are in for a world of pain. Because the way God manifests himself is from the inside out, not from the outside in. The testimony you are to your friend who's kicked you out of the business or just given you the business is not how blessed you are on the outside. It's how much righteousness, joy, and peace you have on the inside when everything's going south, that you have a fruitfulness that's flowing from the inside out. Now, does that often manifest in wealth and blessing? Absolutely. Faith can move mountains. But when you get this thing wrong, 
you're in a world of trouble. When you are relying on the blessing of God to transform the inside, what you are looking to is the things that he has created to make you whole instead of him himself. Now, friends, Christians everywhere are trying to do Christianity off a wrong gospel. A gospel that goes, God loves me if I get the promotion. God loves me if my business turns around. My, God loves me if I have kids. God loves me in many areas that are good, but cannot be ultimate. The gospel, friends, has to go. Kingdom in, peace, righteousness, joy, out into an overflow. Now, I want to just press in here a little bit because there's a thing called the prosperity gospel, which basically goes into the space of you judge your spirituality by how blessed you are. Now, I just want to say this. I am further down the prosperity gospel than you would like. I believe that poverty is a curse. I think that God wants to bless. I think part of the fruit of our lives is blessing. I think you were made to be a conduit of what God's doing. But if it does not begin from the kingdom working in your soul out, it's evil. Because now what you're trying to do is get God to do outside stuff for you to keep you happy. That is not a gospel at all because how can a poor person or enslaved person or a victim or a house church person stuck in jail in the middle of China, how could they give testimony to the goodness of God if that were true? It would mean that all the disciples who were martyred and killed and poor, it would mean that their testimony has no power, which is ridiculous. Ha! Oh, told you it's going to get better. It'll get better now. If you're in the space of why didn't God, why isn't this? Man, you need to understand the gospel. Now, here's where it goes. Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news or the gospel, you will save it. I want to just dive into this word, save it, because part of the reason Rwanda happened, and let's, let's face it, it's not just Rwanda, it's Second World War. It's what, you know, the, the Germans were professing Christianity and the English were professing Christianity and, and then people were getting murdered. It's like the world has done this again and again and again. When you butcher the gospel, you will probably turn it to evil. But the word saved or the word eternal life, they're used interchangeably. The one, is, the one word is soteria. It means saved, healed, delivered. It's the word that we get solve from. You know, a healing solve, an ointment. This is important because the primary pur purpose of the gospel is to bring healing to your soul. And I'm going to get into that in a moment. Eternal life is this word zoe. It means an abundant, overflowing, 
goodness, a, a voluptuous life. That's my own word. But it is just this, this explosion of life. Now, when you understand what that word means, you don't think about the gospel is to get me to heaven. You start thinking about the gospel is to get heaven into me. The Hutus were not thinking the gospel is to get heaven into me when they were declaring war on the Tutsis. What they were thinking is, heaven sorted. Let's enjoy earth. It is so important that we get that right. But then it goes on. And it says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. Is anything worth more than your soul? Just ask yourself that question. Is anything worth more than my soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Well, what's worth more than your soul? Your soul is what Jesus died for. It is his treasure. And he says to you, there is nothing worth anything more than your soul. Your soul is the most valuable thing. The gospel is to save and heal broken souls. This is the primary meaning and purpose of the gospel. It's why Jesus speaks about it so often. He says stuff like, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? He says, you'll be betrayed even by parents and brothers, and I've got sons and daughters, so I understand how that works. Relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But don't worry. Not a single head, hair on your head will be touched. What is he saying? Obviously, you're Hairs on your head are going to be touched. You're going to die. But, but he's going, but I got your soul. Your soul is going to be saved. How is your soul today? How is it doing? Right now, can you feel your soul? Is it feeling full of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit? Or is it tired and burnt out and worn down and anxious and afraid and hurting and jealous? Is it consumed? Is it bitter? How's your soul? See, I woke up on Friday and... um, Heritage Day is not a big thing if you're white. Because we, what do we wear? Khakis? Like, uh, like, what do we do? We just want to say thank you to all the other races for making Heritage Day a day. Because, uh, yeah, I had Cook sisters, not even my heritage. Afrikaans people. Thank you to the Afrikaans people for adding something to the white people. There's just, we just don't really have anything. But uh, I woke up on Heritage Day full of joy. My spirit leapt inside of me, and I'll tell you why. I was honestly, it was like, as I woke up, I was dreaming about this morning I was going to spend with God. I had a book that I wanted to read that was so beautifully written about God. I I had my quiet time lined up. I was awesome. I started my worship, and then my kids came. 
And, uh, and they asked me to do a couple of things, and, and so I did a couple of things. And then uh, I went from there, and one of my friends phoned me up. He said, Ross, can we go kite surfing? I'll come pick you up. It'll be quick. And I went, oh, okay, if it's going to be quick. And so I went. My kite bladder started deflating on the way down. I had to walk two kilometers back. I got back. My car tire was flat. I had to change a puncture. Like, anyway, I eventually get back, and now it's time to go to Heritage Bright. And I'm like, all that excitement... And I'm about to go to this briar, and I'm not full. My soul is not full. In fact, I'm tired before going to the briar. And this wasn't like a white briar. You know, white briar, you arrive, half an hour later, the briar's on. This was a white briar, but it was like a colored briar. Like you arrive, and then four, four hours later, the briar starts, and then it was one of those. And it was nice. And I loved my friends, and it was, it was awesome. And I went home tired in my soul, spent in my soul. You see, Jesus comes and he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Which could be put, are you burnt out on trying to get God to do something for you? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your soul. This is the gospel. It's about healing and delivering your soul. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know what's so interesting about those verses? It says, let me put my yoke upon you. You ever seen a yoke? It's a piece of wood that holds cattle together. It's flipping heavy. Jesus goes, oh, you're looking tired. Come, come, come. Let me put my yoke on you. It's like a weight. Because it'll give you rest. It doesn't feel like it's going to give me rest. But she has the purpose of a yoke. Bonesy, come, come up here. It's nice having a big man. <laughs> you and I, we've had lots of COVID. We should yeah, be fine. We are. <laughs> a yoke, pretend he's Jesus because he sometimes looks like it. <laughs> a yoke means I'm burdened to him. It means if he goes that way, I go that way. It means... If he stops, I stop. It means when someone curses me, this yoke takes me to bless them. It means when I get fired from my job, but I'm actually doing a good job, but someone else is a, a relation, I bless. It means when life is unfair, I forgive. It means I do what he commands me to do because I am yoked to him. How yoked are you to Jesus? Because if you want to get your life back, you have to be yoked. The quality of the gospel working in you will be dependent on your closeness to the one who brings the life. And Jesus is going, how's your yoke? Are you, thank you, you were amazing. Are you consumed by greed? And lust, 
and anger and vengeance and unforgiveness? Are you living, escaping to Netflix? Or are you yoked? Are you going and doing what he says? Because the quality of your soul will be dependent on the closeness of the yoke. The gospel is a message, yes, of the saving grace of God, but it's also a message of the empowering grace of God. It is, it is a message about how Christ has done it all for you, and you cannot earn your salvation. But it is also a message about the power of God to help you work out your salvation. It is, it is a message of the four laws of spirituality, and it is a message of Jesus saying, come and be yoked to me. This is the gospel. So how's your soul? Because if it's meh, if it's, well, then the gospel's not working and we need to make it work by believing and shedding and yoking. So I don't really know how I'm going to end, so I'm going to end in prayer. But when I pray, I want you to just ask yourself the question, how's my soul and how linked am I to Jesus' yoke? And how much am I trying to do this? Jesus, give me a free soul as I spend the next week trying to fill my soul with entertainment. How much are we shifted? So can I ask you to stand? And if you aren't a Christian, I want you to know that Romans 10, 17 is still effective. If all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and Jesus will save you, it will be incredible. And then he'll say, come walk with me. So if there's anybody online or anybody in this building who hasn't asked Jesus into your life, you, you want to be saved. It is unbelievably spectacular. You just want to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe in you to have heaven in me. Come into my life and transform it. I will take my hands off the steering wheel of my life. You tell me where to go. If you prayed that prayer and you believed it, honestly, something supernatural is happening in you right now, whether you can feel it or not, it is shifting you. But for the others amongst us, now's the time to just go, Lord, heal my soul. You know what that prayer is? It's the prayer of salvation. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, save my soul. And then you name what it is you need saving from. From the pain of singleness. From the, the weight of debt. Save my soul. You're asking God to take away the debt. Stop asking that. Ask him to save your soul because then you'll live in the debt it'll go. Save my soul from the loneliness.
then you'll live outside of loneliness, and the loneliness will go. You've got to save my soul, Lord. If you're caught in escapism, save my soul. If you're caught in porn, save my soul. Pray that, Lord Jesus, save my soul. Because the gospel came to save your soul. So Jesus, we ask that you save our souls because we want to be yoked to you so that we can live light with joy in Jesus' name. I pray just that you touch some people here, Lord. God, there's some people who've been asking the question, how can I burn and be on fire for you again? I ask, God, that you meet them right where they are right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, and you set them alight again. I ask, God, for power across the service in the name of Jesus, for people online, Lord, set them alight again. I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. May God bless you and keep you. Bring some people back next week. Join Alpha. It is good to be with you. Have a great day.